are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. Welcome back to the Way of Healing. I'm Casey. Hey. What's up? <laughs> That's OJ. <laughs> Today we have Taylor, Taylor Smith of adventuresinhealth.tv. He's a producer and co-host of that podcast. Uh, it Podcast is one of the things that you guys do. One of the things. Uh-huh. Do you want to tell us a few of the other things that you guys do? So I would say the podcast is kind of our main way of you know telling people stories, connecting, networking, meeting people. Mm. Uh, but we kind of have many arms. We're in all the different facets of health and healing. So what I do for the most part is I promote what I call foundational health. Mm -hmm. uh, and this comes from, you know, of everyone on our team, I have the biggest background of like specifically working in health and wellness, right? So I had understand like the ins and outs of the body and all these different interesting things, biohacking, things you can get into in terms of hacking your wellness. But other things that we get into, we have one of my partners, Sean, who works with us. He helped found Adventures in Health and was co-hosting for a while. He comes in and out. He had a stroke back in 2011 uh, mm -hmm. when he was 39, like literally nearly died, came back to life, like crossed over, saw the light and all this crazy stuff, but has, you know, since in the last eight years documented his healing journey. And to me, people like himself are these sources of inspiration for all of us to keep showing up in our lives no matter what's happening. So on the podcast, we interview people like Sean who have kind of been through these epic situations in their life in terms of health, wellness, trauma. And to me, they represent like hope and inspiration to anyone. You know, it doesn't matter if you've been through something in your life. And then the last arm that's kind of we're mainly working on right now is working with a lot of veterans and one of the guys on our team, Ty Starkovich, is a 14-year Army vet. So he has kind of the insider scoop on what it's like to do three tours in a oh. war zone and what that does to the human psyche in terms of PTSD, depression, anxiety. So we're also working with him to you know, really solve, in my words, it's like a mental health crisis because 22 veterans a day are killing themselves after you know god bless them after they just went overseas to keep us safe and keep us protected so it, we kind of have all of these different facets to what we're doing but we're all in essence under the umbrella of you know we just came up with a fun mission statement of providing hope inspiration and resources so that people can realize their natural ability to heal and live with purpose so we had to like sum it all up, but uh, within that, there's lots of different fun arms to what we do. Cool. Love it. You need like a cool tag like that. That's fine. We'll get ours. <laughs> it doesn't matter. This is about him today. Okay, OJ? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, groovy. The veteran piece is something I did not know that you were going to bring up today, but I found myself driving on the streets of Los Angeles and I am constantly like befuddled by the number of homeless and by the number of mentally ill people that are on the street, like right outside my apartment. And just for the record, I live in a, in an affluent 
part of town for the yeah. most part. And two blocks away, we've got an overpass under which there's about like 15 to 20 tents set up every night. Everywhere in, in LA. It's, it's like, like a- encampment city. So excited that you guys are working with that arm. I've done some veteran wellness events myself and it's, it is, it's like, it's astounding that we send people to other places and we ask for their lives. And then when they come back, we don't really have the services in place to take care of them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anything else that you want to share about that? Anything that comes up during? Yeah. Well, I mean, the first thing that comes up, you know, just thinking about mental health and I think of it as emotional health as well is it's not something we teach. Honestly, if we were to go to step further, we don't really teach anyone growing up how to be healthy. And if fortunately we live in a world where all the information is infinitely accessible in the touch of a button, but it's kind of dumbfounded me in a way to to see that we don't teach health or how to be healthy in any aspect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just in the last four years is when I got a picture of that, of, you know, deep diving into my own life and, you know, what does it mean to be healthy? What do you need to do to be healthy? And what's, you know, essential to being healthy? And I think we're bringing people back from a war zone and we're not addressing their health needs necessarily in terms of mental and emotional level. But I think part of that stems from, at no point in our lives are we actually learning what that means. And so it's not necessarily, in my mind, it's not necessarily any one person's fault. I think everybody has generally like good intentions and goodwill, but we haven't spent a lot of time really trying to understand these deeper aspects of health and wellness that, you know, really control and shape the way we show up. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, the media itself doesn't really portray what being healthy is. They portray what it looks like to be aesthetically, to look aesthetically great. But a lot of these times, these people that look aesthetically great aren't in the best mental state, physical state, emotional state. And we don't see that side of things because the media just portrays like this picture perfect image of what it looks like to be in shape not knocking on like people who are into aesthetics or bodybuilding. I call that stuff's cool. My family, I have family that have been bodybuilders. And so I've seen the industry and I've seen what it does to the body. And and a, a lot of bodybuilders that I know have all these things going on with their body because they've put their body through hell, right? The cutting weight, the this diet and this diet, this diet, or depleting themselves of water to make weight for a show or to get to look ripped and not even just bodybuilders, fighters do it as well. There's some fighters that cut 30 pounds in a day, gain it all back in like a few hours. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. crazy. But you look at these guys and the media portrays these guys as like, look at these guys are in such good shape and yeah. they're so healthy and you know, there's a lot. That's because that's paid paid advertising right somebody has been hired to do a feature on this performer so of course that's those are the things that we're going to talk about and for men i can see where you're saying that it's bodybuilding for women it's like are you perfectly primped and prepped and uh picture perfect Mm -hmm. with your like the right curves and the right plumpness and the right fullness but not too full and not too 
And it's like, meanwhile, the images that we're all seeing have all been altered anyway. Hmm. I mean, I watched, I was watching, it was like a montage of an airbrushing of a photo shoot of this yogi, yogini woman. And, you know, she's, she's a yogi, she's a yogi. That's her profession. She's in great shape. But then you watch them like they airbrush the backs of her thighs and they, they texturize and they smooth out the skin tone on her leg. And then they tan her whole body. And then they, you know, they, they uh, erase like little wisps of her hair and the whole thing. I'm just like, how do we, how do we get by in a world that tells us that our natural state is not enough? That's, that's pretty hard stuff to cope with. So you're talking about like, we're not taught how to be good parents, for example. So the whole paradigm is shifting now. Like this is, we're, we're working to elevate consciousness. What's that other word? What? Consciousness. Collective consciousness. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So we just did our last episode in collective consciousness. Yeah. So. Oh, and I want to say that going back to um, pain and how we deal with with suffering and and uh, mental health issues, any of the above, people coming back from war. This episode is being recorded on the tales of this Johnson and Johnson five hundred and seventy two million dollar lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, no, what's that about? The opioid crisis, the state of Oklahoma has, they won against Johnson and Johnson and Johnson and Johnson has to pay 572 million because of how many people are hooked on these fucking pain meds. And it's crazy. I work in UCLA hospital and I go in there and it's like six out of 10 patients. I hear about their pain med addiction. And I, you know, before that I wasn't really I didn't have people in my life that I knew that were hooked on it. So well, it's, and then, yeah. the, you know, going to step for, I heard, you know, maybe a few months back that they're developing an even stronger mm. opioid. Uh, Is on, it called meditation? <laughs> I don't oh, know. Cool. <laughs> That's a great opioid. But uh, have you guys ever heard of Kratom? No. What's that? Oh, I've heard. I've so don't know exactly. there's a plant out there called Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M. Everything with K is a good word. Yeah, right. And it's actually... A natural not everything sorry i just had to rescind that <laughs> a couple things came to mind but Casey... now things are going to my mind um <laughs> but uh it's a natural plant that they're using to wean people off of opioid addiction mm-hmm. and it's being used as a natural painkiller uh if you've ever never tried it it's kind of the way i would describe it is it's kind of like being on a couple cups of coffee mm. when you take it mm. uh, but it Apparently, the plant you know triggers the opioid receptors in the body and the brain, so that you can safely wean someone off of true opioid addiction. Because apparently, weaning someone off of opioid—I've never done it. I don't know like firm, you know, grasp in what it's like to wean off of opioids. But apparently, it's like very dangerous, and it's also you're working with someone who might generally under you know some sort of pain. So, there's a whole documentary called A Leaf of Faith that. Hmm. goes into what Kratom is and and you know what it's doing in terms of helping to address the opioid crisis. Interesting. I know that Special K, speaking of words with K, is being used as a pain, effective pain, right? Ketamine? Kellogg's. Okay, I was thinking about cereal. Right. For a second. I was like, how is oh, cereal? Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Can we rewind, please? <laughs> Ketamine? Ketamine. Wait, so what is ketamine? I've heard... 
the word a lot. Does oh anybody, anybody here know? It's a horse tranquilizer. It's a horse tranquilizer. Basically. Um, I don't know, obviously, the sourcing that they're using in an IV drip in a hospital is uh, hopefully a little bit different than that. But it has shown over time people abuse the drug, which is called Special K. Never heard that. But it's now being used in a clinical environment to a lot of satisfaction or to a lot of uh, to benefit. And it's helping with depression mm-hmm. also. I think one of the key components, and I invite you to speak to this, is we're not, we can't just replace one drug with another drug. We have to like shift the modality and the way that we think about it in terms of it can't always be something that looks like a pill that I put in my mouth that I swallow and I feel better. Yeah. Right. It's like there have to be other means, other approaches to this. So when you talk about what is it, foundational health, foundational health, do you want to speak to a couple of the things that you feel are like, hey, these are key components? So, yeah, I created this idea of foundational health on the back of working as a yoga teacher, working as a meditation instructor, and then, you know, helping to open the world's first biohacking facility when I was working as a trainer for Bulletproof. And I was able to see this 5,000-year-old approach to health and wellness combined with the 21st century approach to health and wellness. And it's funny enough is that both modalities actually point toward the same concepts on a foundational level, mm-hmm. right? The idea when I worked at Bulletproof was, okay, if we look at the the cell, right, the body is made up of trillions and trillions of individual entities called cells. If we look at what the cell needs to be healthy and we give all of those resources to the cell, then theoretically, like the whole human body is going to be healthy, right? So that was kind of the concept they were working with when I worked for Bulletproof was designing facility around cellular well-being. So it's thinking about, okay, a cell needs light, right? So they had these, you know, red and infrared light beds. The cell needs water, uh, it needs the ability to like remove waste through movement. But during my time there uh, and during my time kind of in the biohacking community, I was constantly asking the question of how can this be done more easily for less money and for less like time investment? Because the reality of the situation is like most of us don't have tens of thousands of dollars to spend on high tech, crazy equipment to hack mm-hmm. our health. And that was me, right? As like an employee there, like I didn't have the money to personally, I, could, I couldn't have afforded to go to this facility, right? Which is kind of ironic. Yeah, I had access to it because I worked there. But so I started to read about all the different technologies that are in there. I started to read all the books on all the different technologies that are in there and just kind of like pick it apart and really get down to what is essential for the human body to thrive on a foundational level. And you know, essentially what is bullshit, mm-hmm. right? What are we convincing ourselves to spend money on because we think it's helping, but it's actually not. So some examples of, you know, what's on the foundational health list is things like meditation, water, and I can go on a whole freaking tangent on water, like of epic proportions. If you want to just like go into an epic tangent water on episode? water. I can Maybe go on we... to an epic tangent on water. <laughs> yes. Acid alkaline, is that, yeah? No, so, way, no? way deeper than that. Okay. Um, it relates like our emotional state, meditation to the water we're drinking, to our energy, to 
I love you, water. I love you, water. I love you, water. <laughs> I'll, I'll explain it, but just to give a few more examples mm-hmm. of you know what's included in foundation health. You know, thinking about nutrition, thinking about uh, things like earthing. If you've ever heard about earthing, mm-hmm. which is basically saying that uh, there's a hell of a lot of research. There's books on earthing that you know they're scientifically studying. There's actually I think it's free electrons. I don't remember exactly that come off of the earth that neutralize the charge in your body. Uh, The easiest example of that would be if you look at, you know, the outlet, two of those plugs pull electricity out of the wall. One is just for grounding, right? If you don't ground electronics, what happens is they have a potential to like malfunction, explode and light on fire. Right. And this similar idea is like, if we don't ground ourselves, we kind of like stress wise, we have the ability to like, you know, light on fire and explode. Exactly. Uh, so it's like the it, a lot of these ideas they sound so simple because they are, but the reality of the world we live in is we've stopped acknowledging the basics, right? If you ever played a sport, right, or if you've ever learned anything in your life, what do you learn first? You learn the foundations, you learn the fundamentals, right? Because that's the basis for thriving in any sport, right? If you you don't just show up to the Super Bowl and say, wow, I've never played football before, but I believe in myself and let's do this, right? You practice for years and years and years. You master footwork, you master catching, you master throwing, what, you know, whatever it is. So it's the same with health, right? If we're not mastering the basics, we're not actually able to give our body all of the resources it needs to be healthy and happy. Right. The problem is in our modern world, the basics are really boring. And I'm not saying this to like say that foundation health is boring. I think it's very exciting when you like fully commit to mastering it. Mm-hmm. But compared to, you know, the stuff we're getting into in terms of biohacking, it's not as sexy and exciting as, you know, oh, you can put on this crazy helmet and it's going to like induce a theta state and send you to outer space. It's more about, you know, pulling yourself away from addictive habits and getting to the core of who you are. Right. And from that core, your body has an innate intelligence to heal itself, to produce all the energy you could ever want to, you know, fuel you on four hours of sleep. I'm not recommending fueling yourself on four hours of sleep, but when you're doing a lot of these foundational things for yourself, your body just has energy. Is sleep part of the foundational? It is. Okay. Yeah. Just check. Community, sleep. Uh, there's, I don't have the list in front of me, but there's basically 13 different concepts that are all woven into it. Uh, movement. Uh, community is huge. Community uh, is so huge. It was one that I didn't start with on there, but as I talked to people on Adventures in Health podcast, uh, everyone was like, oh, I needed the community, the support of the community to help heal and all that. So, uh, But if I had to pick one out of all of them, or if I had to pick a handful out of all of them, I would say meditation is at the top of my list and water is at the top of my list. And they're very like interrelated and interconnected. How so? That's That's a curious... So, okay, do you guys want a water story? Sure. Like a super nerd out water story? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so <laughs> it relates back to actually when I was working at Bulletproof mm-hmm. and they have this crazy machine there that literally produces this specific structuring of water mm-hmm. that they've studied, you know, reduces oxidative stress, increases energy in the body, you know, helps heal the body on a cellular level really cool right there's tons of science behind it and they would call this state of water exclusion zone water right because what happens is that the state of water literally excludes everything from dissolving into it which means it's a pure state of water that doesn't have any toxicity 
essentially what this machine is doing is it's taking distilled water, it's hitting it with infrared light to structure it, right? But this machine's like ridiculously expensive, mm-hmm. like tens of thousands of dollars. I forget the exact details, but I started to think about, okay, how can I create this for free naturally, right? Because it has to happen. So I ended up reading the book on this specific state of water. There's a German scientist named Gerald Pollack who wrote a book called The Fourth Phase of Water. Mm-hmm. And he basically s- said that there's this like interesting state of water between liquid and ice. They call it like gel, like a gelatinous, like he calls it literally like a gelatinous crystal structure. But if you look at like who we are as human beings, like we're not a sack of water and we're not really a piece of ice. We're kind of like this squishy, gooey mess. <laughs> and so what he decided what he discovered was like water structures in this way around proteins right and all in all this sounds like oh, okay who cares so what there's a machine that produces this water i can breathe it but it's, if it's out of my price range i can't expect it but this is where meditation comes in and this is where the story like takes an interesting turn so i was constantly like in my mind trying to figure out okay how can i create this if this is like the magic the source of water and i had no idea if this was true or not at the time i was just kind of like let's do let's do an experiment i came across a book have you ever heard of a book called the hidden messages in water Mm -hmm. you have both both heard of it Mm -hmm. awesome so essentially it's a japanese scientist was making snowflakes and what he discovered was if you taped different words onto water it changed the way the water or the snowflake ended up ultimately structuring. So positive words, positive intentions created these beautiful crystalline structures, but negative words, like I think Adolf Hitler was one and heavy metal music was one. (laughs) They created these things that didn't even look like snowflakes. They looked like these gross mess of like muddied water, Mm -hmm. right? So the correlation I made in my mind was these structures that this Japanese scientist is seeing is the same structure that this machine is creating and it's driven by our emotional state. Mm-hmm. And at the time that was just an idea, right? It's just like, oh, that sounds, they everything looks like it's connected and correlated. Let's test it out. So I did a science experiment on myself because like who better to do a science experiment on? So have you ever heard of a company called HeartMath? Yep. Sweet. So what I discovered was, okay, there's a company called HeartMath that specifically trains you to put your heart in a state of what they call coherence. And long story short, it's basically an emotionally like happy, loving place of gratitude that you can create within you. So my whole premise was I'm going to mindlessly meditate on love to restructure the water in my body to experience higher states of energy and like health. Nice. Gotcha. Is this, are we following? Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Any questions so far? No, no, no. So I started doing that like for, I don't know, the better part of like two months. And I think it was at the end of like a couple months into this, you know, heart center meditation practice. And I had been doing a lot of meditation the month before. I started having these experiences of just like feeling like these like supercharged like flow of energy through my body. Like specifically like and it really gripped me because it was such a physical like tangible experience of like 
it's not like, oh yeah, like I believe in energy and this, that, and the other. It's like, no, I was having a physical experience of like my hands feeling like they were like electric, mm-hmm. if this makes sense to mm-hmm. either. Oh of you. yeah, yep. And it kind of unraveled from there and it got more interesting, but essentially in my mind, this idea that meditation and like cultivating higher states of like love and gratitude actually translates into your body having more energy, right? So when people say that like the answer is love, well, it sounds kind of like frivolous and fruity, but in my experience, it was like this practice of cultivating love and gratitude that caused like this, you know, incredible experience of like energy flow through the body. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the epic story of like my own experience with <laughs> meditation, emotional health, water. Nice. I like it. Uh, a, first of all, have you heard of Dr. Nick and essential oil wizardry? No, tell me. He puts his oils through... Um, what are they called? Well, well, he does lots of things with his oils. Things, but he puts them through these... Distill. Uh, yeah. These sacred geometry things oh. to change the structure of the oils so that they're more easily absorbed in with from the body. So when you were talking about water, I was, I was thinking about his oils and how he does something similar with them where he structures them. Oregon. Oregon. Oregon, right? Well, I've, I've heard the term Oregon before. Yeah, it's a composite. Mm-hmm of these different materials and it raises the frequency or the vibration of the oil to its maximum potency potency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, B as, as healers, Reiki in particular, I think it's a good example, right? Reiki, you're giving love from you to the client. And so for me, if I imagine love coming from my heart or my body out through my arms into my hands, I get that electric feeling that you're talking about. And so whenever I work on people, it's a very tangible thing. It feels completely different. And as a practitioner, as a body worker, what I've noticed over the years and years and years I've been doing it, I haven't been doing that long, like five years. He's 175 years old. (laughs) Amazing, Amazing. you can't tell. Um, The people that are able to manage stress the best, not necessarily keep away from stress, but manage stress in a way where stress doesn't get to them or they don't let stress bog them down, are the most open uh, physically. People who are in high stress situations and don't know how to handle their stress, their bodies are tight. Lockdown. Right. And it goes back to the whole love and and you know positive affirmation thing that the doctor from japan was experimenting with when you tell your body these nice positive things the structures inside your body the stuff mesh mush that's in your body handles it better it, it how do i say this it uh it's happier it's happier you have it's happy happier. water in your body you're a happy person yeah and so yeah. when you let stress get to you and you don't know how to manage it then your body expresses that as well. And so meditation, again, is huge in my opinion because it lets us kind of take a step back from whatever's going on stress-wise and really just check in and tune in with ourselves and and give us a break from the outside world. I'm an advocate. I think if you could invest like your time in in one health strategy, it would be meditation. Totally. Uh, But for many reasons, I mean, in terms of what the Japanese scientists 
you know, was discovering to me, it's like what he discovered was not just, you know, what's happening to water, but what's happening, you know, essentially consciousness is ability to influence matter. Mm. Right. It's like, to me, it's like one of the few scientific experiences I've ever set, ever seen that like can literally like showing that that's happening. But the other side of it, just meditation in general, to me, it is this wonderful practice of awareness. And in terms, I think a lot about, you know, not just what is it, what is required to be healthy, but how do we become motivated to take action on our health, mm -hmm. right? It's in the process to me, it starts with, you know, working towards becoming more aware that something is going on because we literally can't change a problem we don't know exists. Exactly. Before we go on, I'm, I looked up the doctor's name because the Japanese doctor, the Japanese doctor, I was like, <laughs> what? I forgot. He's come up in past episodes. It's Dr. Masaru Emoto. So we can think of like emotion, Emoto, oh, Dr. Emoto. That's, yes. I never made that connection that's, before. You know, I test well. What can I say? <laughs> I, my brain just grabs onto things like that. Yeah, messages in water. I've seen that experiment done um, with sand yeah. and vibration on like a plate, mm -hmm. right? And then yeah. the structure like either takes shape or is all funky yeah. and, and horrible. And uh, yeah, I think the best example I've, or the most like tangible example I've ever seen is they put rice in water in three different cups. Oh, yeah. And haven't to, seen this and one. And to one, they said, I love you to one they said I hate you and to one they didn't do anything right so the cup of rice that they said I love you to was perfectly fine and healthy the one that they said I hate you to was like black and rotten and moldy and the one that they ignored it wasn't as bad as the one that they said they hate but it but it was like kind of like that in between wow. middle state right mm. next time you come over and I have three cups on my counter <laughs> you'll all know what I'm yeah. doing well I think it's just it's important to have you know, these ideas are great, but it's important to, you know, have an experience of like seeing it really happen, right? It was just, I love his work with the snowflakes and I love, you know, being able to see this and show people like, no, look, this is like really happening before you because convincing anyone, I mean, I used to be one of these people, convincing anyone that of how like powerful your thoughts, your intentions, your consciousness mm -hmm. is to affect your reality. It's an uphill battle in the world we live in. Yeah. They've done it with plants too. Yeah. Where they've had different plants and they're actually playing music, different types right. of music to these plants. Yes. And the ones they played like rock music to, the plant just died. And then the classical music one thrived. And then they did another one where they played like uh, Kundalini music too. And that one just... Cool. Yeah. Did it grow in like a double helix structure? I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I have seen corn grow in double helix where the kernels aren't in a row like that. They spiral around. Uh huh. David yeah. uh, Avocado Wolf, raw foodist. Uh, he has a farm in Hawaii and they were growing like. Cool. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's pretty groovy stuff. Like, what's in your soil? Mm. Funny Lots story. Of love. Uh, I had a client that was out of town for like two weeks and she has all these plants in her house. So I was like, is anyone taking care of your plants? And she, so I ended up watering her plants for her. And she was only gone three weeks. I watered them like three times. And I come back, or she comes back, and she says, she messages me. She's like, what did you do? Like, the, I thought the plants would be okay, but they've, they've grown so much, and they look way better than, than anything I've done. Did you fertilize them? What did you do different? And uh, I just, I 
I talked to him. I told her, I was like, no, I just <laughs> I talked to your plants. I was like, I love you guys. You guys look amazing. You're beautiful. You're doing a great job. Reason 101 why he is my podcast hey. co-host. <laughs> hey. And that, that's all I did different. She was just like, what are you talking about? She's not into that kind of stuff. She's like, are you serious? Like, you need to fertilize them? I was like, no, I just talked to your plants. They mm-hmm. just needed some love. And that whole intention thing goes into like chefs, for example. Right, who's preparing your food and what state of being are they in? Are they in a positive, happy mood or a grateful mood or are they in a, a crappy mood, right? If you prepare food for, if you have a family, if you have guests over and if you do it from a sense of like gratitude and like I get to prepare food for people, like I get to share this part of me, the food actually tastes better than when you make food in a state of like, oh, I have to do this. Like, uh, I don't want to do this, but I have to. It physically changes not physically, but it changes the, the taste of the, the food because of the intention behind it. I don't know if you've experienced it that is as physical. a chef. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've worked as a chef for, you know, formally for eight years, but now I just cook for, you know, dinner parties, private events, you know, for friends, for fun, mm-hmm. uh, just because I enjoy and I love food. Mm-hmm. and that's why his food tastes so good that's why it tastes so good because <laughs> i put so much love into it mm-hmm. uh but it's also you know i really i go to lots of farmers markets around town i really try and think about you know i think about it very much from a nutrition perspective or if our food is literally becoming who we are mm-hmm. because it is then it's one of the most important things we can invest in yeah and where your food comes from how it's being grown to me can be one of the easiest ways to radically shift your health. And it sounds you know, crazy because there's all these like, what diet strategy am I supposed to be on? How do I, how, like, how do I eat? And, and I never actually had a good answer for people. Mm-hmm. For the longest time, I was like, I don't know, like, cause nutrition can be such a complex subject in our world, but I finally like figured it out. I just started telling people, it's like eat food that's as close to being alive as possible. Right. If you're allergic to something, avoid it. But at the end of the day, if you're you know, making an effort to eat food that is close to being alive, it's going to generally be really good for you. Mm. Um, if it was grown with love. If it was grown with love. Exactly. Yeah. And prepared with love. Right. Yeah. I recently saw, and I highly recommend people go check out this documentary. It's uh, The Biggest Little Farm. Have you guys seen that? No, heard of it. Oh, it's incredible. I think it's on Amazon Prime now. God, I'm like a walking advertisement here. Um, <laughs> Podcast but, host. But uh, they go through the process of you know taking essentially this dead piece of land and turning it into what they call like a biodynamic organic farm, which is they don't use pesticides. They don't use you know, anything like that, they actually are trying to figure out how can we create a sustainable ecosystem where everything works together. So there's this fun scene where like all the fruit trees are infested with snails and they're like, well, what are we going to do? And he's like asking her, we can't use poison. She's like, no, we can't use poison. And what they figured out was that if you let all the ducks into the orchard, the ducks will actually eat all the snails. So you got to see this process of, you know, figuring out how this ecosystem can work together and it took about seven years to like really find balance in the ecosystem Uh, but the big the other big thing they they point out in there is how important the soil is right so they take this the beginning of the movie they show this soil that's just like rock hard and dead Mm -hmm. you can just tell there's like 
no life in it. And at the end, they have this just like dark black, like mm. rich looking soil and, you know, from which all the food is being grown and it's growing in this place of like love and happiness. And so, you know, as a consumer, and I think our power is, is as a consumer, we have the choice of like, where am I getting my food from? To me, like I always try and go to, and I'm not perfect, but I always try and go to farmer's markets and support people who are taking the extra time and effort to produce food in a way that is not just healthy for me, but healthy for the environment. And I think that that's really our power as an individual is to make a decision what we're going to do, right? And through that, we have the power to influence people. But if we're not living it, if we're not breathing it, then, you know, what example are we setting? So for me, I'm always, you know, actively working towards setting an example, right? Uh, And yeah, I promote foundational health, but by no means am I, have I mastered the whole like scope of it mm-hmm. because it's constant work, right? Just, just to master meditation. Like I think you could spend a lifetime mm-hmm. like just trying to I master meditation. I think it's meditation. an oxymoron like jumbo shrimp. Like I don't know that one can totally master meditation because it, like you level up, it's a constant leveling up. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, I'm good at this. Great. Then the universe throws you something and says, well, get good at this this mm-hmm. next thing so it's like yeah it, it doesn't end you don't reach the peak when you reach the peak you see there's another peak yeah mm-hmm. well and that's kind of the idea behind having foundational health it's having a place where you can decide for yourself this is what i need to do but you have but you're doing it not from a place of stress not from a place of like chaos in your life but you're you're grounded you're content you're happy you feel at ease and you're able to say is what i'm doing like right and it sounds again it's, all this stuff sounds so simple but in terms of actually putting it into practice it takes a lot of consistent effort to in my words to pull ourselves out of like addictive routines and habits and we tend to overcomplicate things. Yeah. Like we're like, but it 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 can't be that simple, right? I mean, yeah. we're taught that, yeah, if, if it's gonna be good, it's gotta be super complex and it's gotta be really intricate. And it the key to elevate consciousness is to break it down into digestible pieces for as many people as possible. Yeah. So I'm like, just put lemon in everything, everyone. Just lemon. <laughs> just it's great. Just start doing it. Yeah. I mean, the way I like to think about it is you know, becoming more healthy isn't about doing more. It's about like removing the obstacles that are in the way of you really experiencing who you are, right? Mm-hmm. Because the analogy, make, I'll make another water analogy, but the analogy I always make is if you think about you were born as you know a clear glass of water and over time throughout your life, it's like adding little sprinkles of dirt in the water, right? And at a certain point in your life, you're like, wow, it's a really like, fucked up dirty cup of water like what what have i done like what's going on in my life my life is chaos it sucks but what you forget about is that like everything that began there right so i think about it's like everything that began there is still there all we have to do is start removing out the pieces that aren't actually us mm-hmm. right and to me the easiest access point to you know beginning the process because it's in it's a process that you know, continues to evolve uh is to look at addictive patterns and behaviors like, so for me, uh, I recently, have, 
a friend of mine challenged me to stop drinking coffee and stop smoking weed. How long ago? Uh, I stopped smoking weed two months ago. The coffee, I probably stopped about a month ago. Okay. Yeah. Take me through it. Uh, I mean, so <laughs> essentially, I, I don't remember the exact conversation, but it was along the lines of, hey, you want to be this, that, and the other in your life. You want to be super healthy and, you know, you know, find peace and balance and whatever. And I was like, yeah. She's like, well, don't you think that smoking weed might be stopping you from like really achieving all those goals? And I was like, yes. Yeah. So she was like, well, do you think like you might consider like stopping at some point? And it, she kind of like phrases, I forget the exact phrase, but she kind of phrases it as like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And like, I have that mindset of like, I'll do shit sometimes just to prove a point that it can be done. Mm-hmm. So like for better or worse, I just said, yep, I'm done. Like in that moment. And I'm not necessarily advocating that anyone do that for their patterns and behaviors, but you know, just where I am in my mindset, I just said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll just stop. And it sounds great. <laughs> but what you don't realize is that, you know, depending on what you're, you know, using an addictive behavior for, uh, there's a certain amount of like lashback you get emotionally. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, smoking weed was generally something I did at the end of the day, but a big part of it was just to like combat feelings of like anxiety and, you know, just not like feeling well. Mm-hmm. And over time, you know, the more you do that, the more you're kind of blocking your body's natural ability to process this emotion. And as soon as you stop doing any addictive behavior, no matter how big or small, I mean, food can be an addictive well, behavior. Oxygen is addictive. Oxygen can be an addictive I mean, we are, yeah, there are things that we need, but yeah. yeah. As, as soon as you stop doing them, in my experience, you, you have to then confront what's going to come up. Because mm-hmm. anytime you stop an addictive behavior, something's going to come up that you haven't been addressing, which is great because you have the opportunity to address and deal with it. But it's important to have practices in place that are going to help you work through that in a healthy way. So for me, I did it at a time when I was also being introduced to, you know, deeper like emotional healing techniques like tapping. If you've ever heard of that, um, what else? There's one called the Sedona method. Uh, but honestly, my tried and true, and I, it's funny because I had to go back to this, was yoga and meditation. I think, you know, having some sort of consistency in like a physical movement practice, but specifically a physical movement practice that's driving like a connected awareness to self. Mm-hmm. And the backside of that is in terms of, okay, anxiety, depression, you know, any emotion that we consider to be negative is starting to, and I'm working on this personally because I'm not perfect every day, but uh, it's starting to work towards a place of welcoming them instead of like shunning them. And it's a tough process because our minds naturally want to avoid things that feel uncomfortable and like drive us towards things that feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, So the process of, you know, working through negative emotions is honestly a big part in my experience is a big part of it is just allowing what is to be, mm-hmm. which sounds again, sounds simple. <laughs> yeah. Were you, I have one more question. Yeah. Uh, were you drink coffee first thing in the morning kind of guy? Oh, yeah. And so are, 
how, like, what did you work through with that, for example? I got one. Go ahead. I'll tell it after yours. Got it. So I've done intermittently, like at least like once a year, I'll take a month off of everything. Okay. To, okay. Like, me too, too. Do, do that. Um, <laughs> Just but uh, in yeah. terms of quitting coffee, I mean, the first thing you realize is that one, you don't have as much energy in the morning, for, at least for the initial like week or two of adjusting. The biggest thing I've learned in the last two months is I've had these moments of like peacefulness that feel scary. And I'll explain why. So it's all these moments where, and I, I'm starting to recognize it, is everything feels very calm and peaceful. And I feel my mind wanting to make something happen for no other reason than excitement. And I'm realizing it's like, I'm just addicted to something happening, right? And we all are. And so with coffee, it's like, that's just something exciting that's happening, right? And it feels great. I was like, oh shit, there's something exciting happening. So I think the biggest thing I've realized, I've had these moments of just nothing's happening. And then I get these feelings of like, oh, it's not okay that nothing's happening. So it's like the process of like working yourself to a play. It's like, it's okay. Like being like calm and peaceful and like nothing happening, like, that's actually like okay but it's a hell of a process to kind of work into because we're so used to just stimulus right you're like oh nothing's happening let me look at my phone let me do this let me do that so i would say you know removing coffee removing you know all these other vices addictive habits it's made me realize that on a subconscious level which is becoming more conscious uh just addicted to you know stimulus yeah my coffee thing is uh i drink a lot of coffee these big hydro flask canteens when i was teaching yoga i used to drink one of those before teaching yoga at 4 30 in the afternoon yeah in the afternoon in the afternoon oh, it, was, wow. it was bad i drank a lot of coffee at one point slowly weaned myself off but i was still like coffee at least once a day bulletproof coffee specifically i would that was my morning i'd intermittent fast with that and get through my day i stopped drinking coffee and it made me realize how shitty my sleeping habits were right and i i would sleep i'm a late sleeper i sometimes i'd sleep at like two in the morning and then wake up at like six thirty seven, and so i didn't get much sleep and coffee was bypassing my tiredness I was like, let me drink my coffee to hide my shitty sleeping habits. And it wasn't until I stopped drinking coffee when I was like, oh, yeah, I need more rest. My body can't make it through the day if I don't sleep enough. But I stopped drinking coffee. I replaced it with matcha, which matcha, is a, it's, it's a little more, the energy is a little more sustainable, in my opinion, from my experience. And then I ran out of matcha. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't buy matcha for like a month. And so I was able to just completely wean myself off of the caffeine stimulus thing. And it's been great. Sleep-wise, I'm, I am I know when I should be getting to sleep and so I can recognize that better and I can also, I'm better in tune with my energy levels throughout the day. So if if I got like really shitty sleep, my body is like, yay, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that this. again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't have been in tune with that had I not taken that addictive behavior out of my life mm. and, you know, had the opportunity to step back and take a look at what it was trying to tell me. 
So the theme here that I'm seeing from both of you and you talk about this He's is... become a yoga teacher. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> we are, are all already yoga teachers. Are you a yoga teacher? Yeah, yeah. I, I taught for two yeah. years formally and I consider myself still a yoga teacher. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, yoga is so much more than just physical postures. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the theme, the common theme here is that like be okay with feeling things and exploring things deeper and just being mm. in a space of greater awareness and that it's not necessarily a scary thing or something to shy away from, but it's an opportunity to know yourself better. Yeah, there's a... Uh... This too shall pass. I'll, right. ta- I'll tag on to that for you. So we got introduced recently to just the idea. I'm sure you guys have heard of like attachment and aversion. Mm-hmm. So the idea of letting go of both attachment and aversion. And the example of something we're attached to is easy. It's like we're something that's addictive like coffee, right? Letting go of an attachment. But just as important as letting go of an attachment is letting go of something that you're aver- averse to. So that could be like a... St- a negative emotion like anger hmm. right if you're shame around drinking coffee shame around drinking coffee if you're you know mentally just like avoiding acknowledging that as real then you're not you're basically looking at like half of who you are and neglecting it and so the idea that was introduced to me is this idea of letting go of attachment, but also it's a very Buddhist idea, but letting go of attachment as well as letting go of aversion. And which tags on to what you're saying of just like allowing more awareness and allowing, you know, what is to be. Sounds simple. Be here now. <laughs> but I mean, it's it what, is simple. But that's what so many people are trying to describe in words is like the ineffable, right? If you look at, uh, was it Eckhart Tolle's? book like the power of now mm-hmm. all he's trying to describe is kind of like these same ideas is that everything is kind of just like allow what is to be be here now but in my experience until you've experienced a moment of presence until you've kind of like gone through this process of you know removing these different obstacles that are in our ways so you know f- the foundation of health really is it's a process of you know looking at all these different ways where we can create obstacles in our life and as we refine and master all these different things, we get closer and closer to just experiencing the truth of who we are. Mm-hmm. That's really like the essence of it. Obstacle is the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only way is through. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. read that book? No. It's great. What's it sounds like the premises? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wait, is it, wait, wait. What's the book called? The only way is through. Obstacle is the way. Obstacle is the way. Yeah, it's a book about stoicism. Hmm. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> you, hear, you hear the stoic in my voice. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, anything that we have left out today? What What else do you want to grace us with? I don't think so. Yeah. I think we. I think we in nailed a good place? it. Yeah. Cool. See, I, I could share one more thing. Share one more thing. Did I share this earlier. The like, I have a whole like what I call a life formula. No. No. Let's talk okay, about yeah, I'll it. share it with you. So it's quick. So when we were thinking about kind of what it takes to change health, right? There's like four kind of main concepts. And I spell it, it's like L-I-F-E, right? So it's an acronym, but it's also just like a formula for how to create change in your life. 
and what better way to end a podcast, right? Uh, how to create change. So the L stands for learning. And the idea behind that is to change anything in our life, we first have to learn something new, mm. right? You can't solve a problem from the same level of understanding that created it, right? The second, the I would be inspiration. And the purpose of inspiration is to help us take our learning, this information we're cultivating, and bring it into action, right? Because learning something is pointless if we're not taking action and bringing in the learnings into our own life and integrating. The F would be foundational health. So looking at what are the essentials that, in anything, it can be health, but it can be any aspect of like something you're trying to learn. If you're not mastering the basics, then it's going to be really hard to like be proficient in that area of life. And then the last one is exploration, which is the E. And to me, this is really like the fun part. And this is the part that's unique and special and personalized is, you know, in terms of what you need to explore, OJ, in terms of what you need to explore, Casey, for you, in terms of what I need to explore for my health and my life, it's all different, right? So the whole premise is master the basics, but ultimately become your own advocate for the direction you need to take in your life. And so... That's kind of uh, the idea, and that's what we do with our podcast, Adventures in Health, is we bring on people who are inspirational, whether it be people's stories, people who are helping to you know, bring foundational health to our community, and people who are just sharing cool stuff we can go explore. Thank you. Amazing. OJ and I are on an episode of Adventures in Health, by the way, so you can find us there. Taylor, this has been a pleasure. Thank you yeah. so much for joining us. Life, yeah, people, you. life, exploration. I, everything dovetails so beautifully into the next and the last episode we recorded on this very couch and uh, it was about learning. It was about keep learning, keep exploring, mm. just keep, keep peeling back the layers, keep being curious. That's why we're still alive. That's why we're still breathing so we can keep learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, go drink some water. Yeah. And uh, Cheers. to your health. Cheers. Thanks for watching. Santé. Thanks for coming on. Thank you guys. L'chaim. To health. Salud. Thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats.